Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Perkins Platform. Uh, This is a monthly solutions-oriented talk radio show, and each month we dedicate 30 brief minutes to explore contemporary issues and solutions in education leadership, and this is your host, Brian Perkins. This month we're having uh, an open forum where I'm inviting uh, superintendents and principals and district-level personnel to call in. And um, the number we're asking to call in is 347-826-9029. Again, 347-826-9029. Over the past few months, we have uh, had a variety of guests in this series. Uh, It uh, will end up being about a seven-month series on school reform initiatives. Um, and all of these initiatives have been around uh, um, improving academic achievement, and we've had um, uh, individuals who've been in the business of school reform um, for over 30 years and then some uh, fairly new programs. Um, and all of our guests have been from the um, organizations um, all the way through to principals in the schools Uh, because here what we want to do is we want to make sure that um, you get a full picture uh, both from what is intended to be implemented and what that looks like on the ground. Uh, We have uh, a variety of guests from all walks of the education field including parents Um, but we have uh, on our in, in our audience we have uh, individuals who are in on boards of education, uh, we have superintendents, principals, and the like to um, to listen in. And so uh, we like to present this so that um, whatever our topic, that there's something for everyone who's interested in the the challenges in leading educational institutions in our uh, public uh, pre-K to 12 uh, sector. Um, and as I was talking with some of my colleagues, I realized that you know we we have our guests, and then we have individuals who have implemented the programs. And a, a lot of times, um, our guests obviously um, are are really optimistic about their programs, as they should be, and and um, the ones in the field that are still implementing them. And so today's show is dedicated to those of you out here um, who'd like to to talk a little bit about um, what some of the challenges are. Um, What I'd really like to hear about um, is, from your perspective, um, what what are um, not only the challenges, but what are the considerations that you make in the field um, to... Uh, make decisions around one program or another. How do you fund these initiatives, and what what is the feedback you get from um, your your communities? Um, and so, um, just the lines are open. Um, we uh, if if you call in 
and um, you you get put on hold. Please just hold on. Um, we'll we'll get to you in a first come first served uh, basis. And so we do have a caller uh, waiting on us right now. Again, that number to those of you um, who may be interested in calling in shortly is three four seven eight two six nine zero two nine. Again, the number is three four seven eight two six nine zero two nine. And so what we want to do um, again is just have you principals call in, share with us about what those challenges are, whatever is on your mind about. How difficult or relatively easy is it for you to implement these programs? And most importantly, um, just share with us um, what do you do to ensure buy-in and, and among your, your communities and your, your faculty uh, to do these programs. And so we have a caller calling in from Denver. Caller, you there? Yeah, good afternoon. How are, how are you doing? Good afternoon. I'm doing well. What do you have to share with us today? So I'm a principal, and I'm, I'm a principal of a charter high school in the Denver area. I just want to share an experience that we've had in implementing uh, what really was some legislation that came down from the state level. So as the state of Colorado was pursuing race to the top funds, one of the one of the pieces of legislation that resulted from that was a Senate bill that required teacher evaluations to be um, composed of at least 50% student achievement data. And that's a statewide, um, any school that receives tax dollars requirement. So that, that piece of legislation um, specified, that, specified the 50% and also specified some very high stakes for teachers that were rated as ineffective based on um, the outcomes of that evaluation, up to and including loss of teacher licensure after, I believe, two years. So there were some pretty high stakes. Um, the thing they didn't legislate was what that specific evaluation system would look like and um, how that would be implemented. So this legislation you know, came down a couple years ago. And by design, they were having this year, the 2013-14 year, has a hold harmless year where school districts and schools were intended to implement the new evaluation system. And then in 2014-15, it's no longer a hold harmless year, and every every school in the state is required to comply with that law. And, you know, the stakes are are pretty high. So... Mm -hmm. You know, knowing that the ultimate goal is to improve student achievement and to make sure that we have good people in front of students and to make sure that those in front of the students um, are growing, and with those goals in mind, there are a lot of different ways that that law can be, um, the, the requirements of that law can be met um, while trying to support adult growth. So sure, sure. I mean, is it all right if I kind of talk you through our process of how, yeah, sure, how we did sure, that? I ahead. think it was a good sure. one. Sure, go ahead. Okay. So uh, we started this process in 2012, knowing that the law was there, knowing what was coming, and also knowing that, you know, despite specific requirements, we really had a lot of latitude in what that evaluation system looked like. Um, and so what we chose to do was involve our faculty in that conversation from the very beginning and to talk through very, on very clear, specific terms, talk through what the state requires, um, and what is into- what's entirely up to us, and then also to make sure everyone's focused around our goals as a school. And our goals, you know, for the adults in the building are just to get better at what we do. So whatever evaluation system we have, we wanted to support that goal. So in, in working through that, uh, the first thing we did after we sh- shared, you know, requirements and specifications is we listened. Uh, we listened to 
the initial thoughts and feedback of the faculty. Uh, we were very clear in our intention to listen, and we were also very clear in the fact that listening and understanding, you know, doesn't necessarily imply agreement. And, you know, together we ended up crafting this evaluation system where for each faculty member, that student achievement data piece is, diff is different. It's, sure. um, we're doing differentiated evaluation because really, how do you measure student achievement in a gym class versus an Algebra 2 class? You know, they're both sure. important, but, sure. but looking at those metrics is very different. And so um, we put that together. I believe a key part of what made it successful was we let everybody know that we're going to work this out in the 2013-14 year, and it's not going to be perfect. And we're going to do our best to work, work through the bugs and, you know, um, go over the speed bumps so that when 2014-15 comes, you know, it's just part of what we do, and our focus remains on teaching and learning. And so now we've been through this process we developed over the course of the year, and it's been successful. And so when sure. we look at... Uh, where we are as a school and compare ourselves with kind of our peers around the state, a lot of schools and districts haven't, haven't done anything this year. Uh, they haven't mm. taken advantage of the whole harmless year. And so coming into the fall next year, there's, there's going to be some concern and a little bit of panic, you know, in working through how to comply with the law. Meanwhile, uh, my hope is that at our school we'll just be focused on teaching and learning, and we'll be comfortable with, with how we're working through this evaluation system. Sure, sure. And, you know, what you, you, you hit several really hot spots that um, we probably could dedicate a whole show to, but I want to just uh, pick up on a couple of things that you pointed out, uh, particularly around the whole harmless year, that sounds like your process was really one that you intentionally designed so that um, you could keep morale up and, and, um, and, and build a sense of trust among the people who are going to be evaluated, which is, is often a really uh, tough thing to do. Um, when you start talking about evaluation, I, I remember uh, very early on in my my training, um, I had uh, a professor once said that you know the the purpose of uh, an evaluation system is not to improve. I mean, it's not to prove, but to improve. And so that the, 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 the real basis for the reason you're doing this is not to say, gotcha, here's what you're doing wrong to a teacher, but is to gather information and then say, here's how we can help you get better at teaching. Because at the, you know, the bottom line is, is, is um, you want students to be successful. Um, but it doesn't always turn out that way, which I think you know, is the real rub um, where in some cases, in some states and, 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 and municipalities, they're trying out various um, uh, incentives to get uh, performance up. So some of it might be um, where it is um, the merit of the teacher is determined on uh, how much growth the students make as a group. Now, there's right. some that say, well, that will get you to the place where, you know, we've ended up in some uh, districts where there have been these widespread uh, um, uh, test-taking scandals. But, you know, that's, that's the extreme. But what I'm, I'm just wondering is that, because you mentioned, you said, well, what we're hoping is that in our first year, 
um, of the beyond the hold harmless year that we we're hoping just to be focused on teaching and learning and I think that's a very uh, optimistic and and positive viewpoint but what happens if, you know in when you have uh, people who aren't meeting the standard because um, I think that's 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 going to ultimately as as be the question that's asked so we've we've tested it we've tried it and everyone was happy about it uh initially and then okay now we have one or two people who aren't actually meeting the standard that we agreed upon um how do you deal with that or what how do you anticipate you're going to deal with that sure um a couple things toward toward that end i i feel and it's it's my perception as a building leader and there may be a different perception on the faculty but i i believe that we've really built a trust uh, to where everyone understands that a mistake, you know, as long as it's not a serious, egregious um, mistake that puts a child in harm, but a mistake is forgivable and, and part of the learning process and part of getting better and acceptable and um, also not something that's going to threaten your evaluation or going to threaten your job. Um, that said, you know, a clear evidence of inadequate instructional performance is a, is a very different matter. And so I think that those conversations with regard to, you know, an instructor that's not meeting the standards, I think those will look a lot like they have in previous years. Sure, um, sure. Just knowing that, you know, it's, it's okay to make a mistake. It's not okay to um, not provide our kids with the instruction that they need to be successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for calling. We appreciate your call. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, uh, again, to our call, our listeners out there, um, we have an open forum today. Please feel free to call in. We're asking principals and superintendents and district-level uh, personnel to call in. The number is 347-826-9029. Again, 347-826-9029. Um, our, our last caller talked a little bit about um, – uh, implementing a teacher evaluation system uh, and the challenges uh, associated with that, but um, in their case, being uh, very thoughtful in in their process and getting feedback and hearing from um, hearing from their their teachers about how they feel that the um, um, the process is going. It's not always as easy as getting buy-in on the front end. I think um, just like any um, other process, it's, uh, it's pretty difficult sometimes um, when, you, when you start talking about disciplinary action and, um, and remediation um, that is necessary for, for someone who, who in, in, in some cases, has been um, a licensed professional for a number of years, and then suddenly um, standards are put up, and then they are uh, deemed as not meeting standards. And we certainly don't want to focus here just saying that teachers um, are to blame, and, and so there's a, there's a system we have that is uh, important to consider here, and, and it includes uh, communities and parents that are um, and should be involved um, but, you know, that generally speaking, we have only held students accountable. And if you think about um, how, we, how we have um, a system of tests and high-stakes tests, and, and in that system, we have said that if the students score well, 
then we know our schools are performing well. But well, but what else does that tell us? Because there's certainly much more to an educational enterprise than um, just having um, students perform um, well on a test. And I've 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 seen um, uh, in some cases. I I, I think about one of my uh, one of my colleagues. I, I had. Um, a conversation with and and they before they retain students and this is at a a, a school setting where um, students um, there's a holistic evaluation of the students uh, in in a high school and the teachers sit and they the teachers faculty as a whole whether it's ninth grade tenth grade but they decide. Um, kind of holistically whether or not students should be retained. And it's not just on a a course-by-course level, um, but looking at the overall overall progress of the student and should they uh, be required to repeat, say, a 10th grade year or 9th grade year. And there was one principal that I've – that in this school, and and she said to her teachers that – we cannot have this conversation about the children failing without talking about how we as adults failed in the in the circumstance. What did we do? And so looking back at so what what did we do as a group um, to um, to ensure that they would do well? Um, and in some cases, it, 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 they they realized that in, in the cases of some students, they hadn't put the necessary um, uh, safety nets under these students to uh, to protect them. So um, uh, those are some of the things that you that you really have to consider when you're thinking about um, doing um, uh, evaluation systems. Who in this whole equation? Um, is responsible. Um, is it just the students, or is it, um, or are there others? Um, and so again, um, we we ask you to call in three four seven eight two six nine zero two nine. Again, three four seven eight two six nine zero two nine. Have a caller uh, from Indiana. Um, caller, are you there from Indiana? Yes, I am. Good afternoon, Doctor Perkins. Uh, good afternoon. Um, what do you like to share with us today? Uh, Marcus Robinson with the Tinley Schools in Indianapolis, and um, we uh, have a high poverty, uh, all inner city uh, collection of schools in our network, and um, we've really been pushing on this whole question of how we take a group of students historically underrepresented in STEM, or STEAM for that matter, and get them not just um, skill ready, but uh, build an interest level, a pipeline to STEM and STEAM careers uh, in our work. Uh, it's been challenging, but it's the next evolution of trying to go from good to great. Sure. And and so what, what specifically as it relates to, you know, the STEAM, you know, for our audience may not be familiar with the acronym, sure. uh, but what specifically is it that, that has been a challenge? Well, um, ultimately, as much as it has been, uh, difficult to to raise scores in mathematics for uh, black and Hispanic kids across the country. Um, we, we've probably done a really good job of, of trying to close the achievement gap, but not mm-hmm. really the opportunity gap. And so 
we've been building skills while not seriously talking to kids about science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. We've now included art in that because we understand that creativity is a key to innovation. Mm-hmm. You can't mm-hmm. create if you're not creative. And so mm-hmm. under the circumstances, then, uh, we've trying to figure out, well, this is not just about how we change classes, but how do we create pipelines? And so we're looking at summer programs for middle school students and high school students in engineering, ongoing mentoring. We're developing a, a pipeline program with a local university that is the best in our state in terms mm-hmm. of engineering uh, to make sure that our kids are branded at grade seven and by grade 12 know that they have engineering opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, building engineering labs in our middle schools and in our high school to make sure that our kids have real-world experience with engineering prior to getting to the next level. Mm-hmm. So it's been a massive undertaking, but uh, absolutely important if we're going to get our kids ready for the next level of careers. W- wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for calling. My pleasure. So um, that's a really interesting perspective to hear um, about, you know, some, some of the things that you, you really have to do to, um, to connect students with their options um, in schools. And so I, I really uh, appreciate that last call that, you know, we have, uh, it's not just about uh, the students getting um, just content being good in math or just being good in science, but that they actually get some real, real experiences um, doing this. So um, looks like we have another call um, uh, from Indiana. Um, uh, Caller, are you there? Yes, this is Clarice Mendoza. I am actually um, calling uh on behalf of my work um, at uh, Charter School Network in Chicago, we have 8,000 oh, okay. students. And uh, but I'm Indiana. I'm in Indiana today. But wanted to call mm-hmm. in, and you know, I'm really interested in sharing you know, as we talk about uh, reform in schools and implementation of reform in schools. Some critical lessons learned from um, the sort of uh, implementation of a blended learning model that we tried for the very first time this year, have been trying, are still trying to to complete. So um, I think, you know, we realize that we preached that we differentiate instruction for students, um, but we also realized as um, our 16 school leaders were observing individual classrooms, uh, we found that teachers were struggling with that differentiation for a variety of reasons. We have 32 kids in a classroom. Uh, We have uh, a high population of English language learners. Um, And so that was something that we really wanted to address. And so uh, we had always kind of had our eye and kept a pulse on blood and learning, bringing technology into the classroom um, as a tool to facilitate uh, student learning um, and more specifically differentiate student practice. So we said, uh, this is something that we want to do, um, and um, you know it was a great idea. But again, there were a couple of critical lessons learned. I think uh, the first lesson learned was that we didn't really sort of frame the implementation and the rollout. We did a pilot at five schools uh, with clear outcomes um, and sort of clear methods for uh, measuring progress against those outcomes, and so we kind of 
bought all the technology, bought lots of iPads, bought Chromebooks, you know, we're, we're trying out actually different devices, and we, we put them into schools, um, and then teachers were like, this is great, you know, and, and as we then went into observe teachers, our school leaders went into observe teachers, they were like, uh, you know, uh, now the, the teacher is using their iPad with the, the Elmo projector uh, instead of, you know, having students use iPads with learning applications to practice math word problems at their skill level, which was the whole point. And so mm -hmm. that was a really critical lesson learned. We did a lot of um, sort of debriefs and focus groups after the rollout um, to and figured out that we needed to have much more clear outcomes, uh, especially in this sort of first phase of the project. So mm -hmm. um, I think the other piece that was critical for us is that when you have a new idea, in addition to having clear goals and outcomes and having under, everyone understand what those are, um, was just making sure that you are uh, connected with the other people who aren't necessarily um, you know, directly involved with the academic program. So for instance, operations, um, IT, finance, uh, to make sure you know, that you put together a really strong cross-functional team uh, so that the project, the initiative, the reform rolls out smoothly. And so we threw all this technology into classrooms and then we found out that uh, not all of our schools had uh, the best infrastructure to support so many devices and uh, the demand for high-speed Wi-Fi uh, for a variety of reasons. So um, we also found out that, you know, while initially our budget looked like it could support piloting in five schools, uh, if, we, if we had gone to finance first and dug a little bit deeper, we would have found that um, only certain funding streams can be used to, to support the purchase of of devices. So um, those were two really critical lessons learned for us. And, um, you know, after the fact, uh, we got the cross-functional team together, we got the clear outcomes and, and sort of the, the clear um, structures and systems together for, for progress monitoring. Um, but it happened after, and I think we would have had a much smoother rollout and a much smoother pilot year. This is our first year um, if we had done those two things first. Sure, sure. And you, you also raised a few really uh, uh, important considerations that uh, uh, unfortunately we won't have time to explore, but there's one question I do have for you is that, you know, you, you mentioned uh, blended learning and using technology, and from my experience in uh, evaluating uh, programs um, that, you know, a lot of times uh, assumptions are made that teachers, if, if the expectation is put, um, out that they will be able to do it. Um, a very critical part of that is the professional development that goes along with the implementation of new programs. Can you say yeah. a little bit about especially what you, uh, that you were talking specifically about technology? Um, can you say a little bit about um, the importance that professional development played in your success at least so far in this pilot year for you? Yeah, absolutely. That's one part that we did do right because we knew that teachers had various skill levels um, and sort of, again, um, you know, needed a lot of help not only to how to uh, not only understanding how to actually use the technology with students, but then the role that it played within effective instruction in the classroom. So um, we were able to put together um, a professional development plan um, pretty early on. And um, instead of looking sort of outward uh, to external consultants or external organizations, uh, we did leverage the 16 technology teachers in our network uh, 
who are already on staff um, and um, are already in all of our buildings. And we pulled uh, a committee of those folks together uh, to really lead that part um, of the rollout, and that worked out really well. So um, they already understood the context of our schools and the, the, the context of our students and our student population. So because they understood the context and where, where, where their teacher colleagues were, uh, that really worked out really well. So it really helped that we pulled from within to, to get that PD going. Excellent, excellent. Thanks so much for your call. Thank you. Okay. Um, and and as I mentioned, I mean, there's a lot of really critical points there that our last caller pointed out. Um, I think the the real lesson in that is that um, there there are many um, intersection points uh, to implementing a new program. Uh, you want to do technology infusion. You have to make sure that you have the capacity. Um, I uh, was once um, in on a conversation about implementing uh, the use of iPads uh, throughout a school and that as students, the plan was in this one school uh, in an urban area, they were going to give each student as they entered uh, the grade nine um, an iPad and they would continue with that. And, um, and then one of the education technologists um, who came in as a consultant asked the question, uh, what is your capacity? And, and no one um, on the curricular team had really thought about doing something uh, to investigate uh, the capacity. And so what we learned and, and uh, the number uh, that they had the capacity for was uh, uh, in terms of the output on their uh, in their technology was 30 megabytes per second over wireless. And after they um, did the calculation, it turns out that it needed to be more like 300. Um, and so it was orders of magnitude higher than what they had the capacity for. And so we asked, so what would have been the, the net result of uh, if that had been implemented without consulting with uh, the IT department? And the answer was the system would have crashed. Um, and so, so there, are, there are a lot of uh, components here that, that need investigation. And so um, we really appreciate um, our callers calling in and uh, uh, giving us a taste of what's going on out in the field. Uh, I've been encouraged um, because generally on um, the days where we have a regularly scheduled guest, um, we often have um, a, a board lit up with calls that we can't take. Um, we usually only get around to one or two, if that. Um, um, and so um, what I'm going to make sure that we do in the future is that we um, we we take um, at least a show every quarter or so uh, to have you call in and, and share with us uh, in addition to the time we, we try to allocate with every show. But we're here only 30 short minutes um, to keep this as a, a, a quick, easy snapshot into uh, what's going on. Um, so uh, we really appreciate, your call, uh, appreciate the calls that came in. We appreciate you listening. Uh, we ask you join us back again next month when we have uh, Dr. Mark Brackett, um, who is going to be joining us from the Yale University um, Health, Emotion, and Behavior Laboratory. Um, he is an uh, emotional intelligence expert. 
Uh, he's going to be joining us. He has a, a program that is um, being implemented all throughout the United States, and uh, he's doing research uh, in Europe and the United States. And so we ask you to join us uh, uh, and next month when we're here uh, with Mark. So, um, again, that show is on uh, July, I'm sorry, June 18th, and we ask you to be here right here with us. And so until next time, go well, stay well.